Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm getting hungry, though. Are you? I am. And But we have a, a nice pizza. We do. Yay. And a, a saucy, insouciant chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> On orders from Miss Bond. So I want to say, first of all, before I get into my story... I didn't pick this solely because I knew it would make you angry, although it helps. Uh, and B, I do personally feel kind of ambivalent about it, but I do think it is part of a huge trend, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it. You just um, wanted to piss me off because <laughs> I asked you to bring a saucy and cheesy right. yeah, Exactly. This is another example of um, businesses designing sort of alternate reality game type experiences, playing off the fact that so many of us have uh, smartphones with uh, GPS and people have become really comfortable using apps and so forth in the last little while. Um, in this case, they are talking about scavenger hunts for urban exploration. So PSFK actually has this interview with Stray, a guy from Stray. They've actually done a really good upgrade to their website. They have tons of content there. They've got great content. Yeah, they really do. PSFK.com. It's worth uh, checking out. Anyway, they do this interview with um, a guy from Stray Boots, which is a company that's designed urban challenge games that you play with your phone. They have them in 13 different cities. So basically, you get these challenges via text message, and you get points for discovering things about the city that you're touring. And the first thing that struck me about this is, just to play off what we were talking about last time, that this is another part of what teaching is going to look like in the future, is figuring out ways to incorporate like more experiential and game-oriented techniques of mm -hmm. learning about the world around you. That's um, a good point. Yeah, I can really see that happening. And th it's part of this whole trend towards what's called the gamification of life, where you take the fact that human beings obviously are pretty hardwired to play games, and incorporate game mechanics into things that you don't necessarily think of as games, like taking a walking tour of a city in this case. And so I thought both in terms of like the use of games, the use of reward systems, and the use of delivering content on mobile phones. PSFK also talks about the possibility of doing this on um, as a new form of advertising, essentially, by getting people to explore and play games um, with your content. Do you really think that people are hardwired to play games and have always been? Because I know this is something that you read up, that you've written and talked about an awful lot. I mean, who knows hardwired? I mean, humans are what's, what's natural for human beings. But I think that game play is pretty, seems pretty innate. I mean, if you think about even with like little babies, the way we do peekaboo and stuff like that, you know, we teach them things like how to recognize that there's a difference between I and thou by doing things like that, surely. Like, I think yeah. there are things that are really fundamental to us and I think we've played games for a long time you know the Mayans played games oh the games people play I don't know I yeah it makes perfect sense that they're going to do this mm -hmm. and I read the article twice and the guy was very very articulate and he really explained why and how what a great hit it is and how people just want to do it and also that it's a not just a hit with young urban, upwardly mobile professionals, but also with a lot of older people and a lot of families, and they find it a great way to get to know a city. Mm -hmm. But he was talking about saying that it's better than a travel guide and a map. Like, why? Mm -hmm. Why is it better than a travel guide and a map? 
I, I love going through maps. I love finding my way through a new city. Mm-hmm. I like where the, the little places, the strange places it might take me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it's great to have like a rough guide or something like that. It'll go, well, make sure that you don't miss this. Yeah. Or even getting hooked up with a guided tour with somebody who lives there. Like when I was in Rome, I had this wacky Aussie dame who took us everywhere. And it was great. It was part of the experience. But this idea of a game taking me through a city, it, I don't know. I, and, and, and there was all this talk about, like, you get these little rewards. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, this reminds me of B.F. Skinner and behavior mm-hmm. modification. You know, you hit the, the little lever, and then you get a, a cookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple points to that. I mean, I did part of me that did feel ambivalent about it is that I love that feeling of just being a flanner, you know, like wandering around without any particular agenda. Yeah. And not even necessarily really knowing where you're going, but just absorbing the city and stumbling across things and all that kind of stuff. And part of our information-soaked environment is that that sort of experience of serendipity is falling by the wayside, I think. And that's Because we talk about that a lot. Yeah. I think that to the point about guided tours, like I think there's something about the interactivity that's very appealing for a lot of people where you don't like and what if your tour guide isn't very good then you're stuck with this boring tour guide or you're not interested in a particular part then like you can't fast forward a human being so I do kind of get that part of it but I think the B.F. Skinner thing and this is my real problem with this whole idea of the gamification and applying game mechanics to all these different things Mm -hmm. is it is it's a total Skinner box thing right it's completely behaviorist and there's something about it especially when you think about it being applied to like advertising and Or even the sort of, you know, worthy goals like nanny state, improving health outcomes. There's something kind of creepy about it. It's working because it works on you at some almost sort of subliminal level, Well, exactly, because he talks about it. Um, They talk about this Dodge. The Dodge has really used this a lot to help sell some of their products. Mm -hmm. It's like getting people to jump all through a city looking for clues, like on a scavenger hunt to get a free truck. And they're saying, and it's great, because they are being, people are just becoming steeped in all sorts of knowledge about Dodge and their products, like way more than we ever would have been, you know, like have a ride in my Dodge baby, you know, on TV (laughs) in the seventies. No, but I mean that like for better or worse, I think that's the way the future is going. You look at how much content, especially online, how much of the content that's being produced is, you know, quote unquote branded content, right? Where it's paid for by a company as part of an advertising strategy. And, you know, they've got pretty good. It's not like Lucy and Ricky saying, Hey, Ricky, would you like a Chesterfield cigarette any longer? Like, it's pretty recessed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, like, it, that's, that's totally the way things are going, totally back towards um, branded content. Now, this is just a very, very, very quick hit. It's something that I loved, though. Mm-hmm. There's this guy. His name is Thomas Stevenson, and he had noticed that people in New York City are not using their rooftops. Mm -hmm. So he created this project. It's called Bivouac New York. And it's a campsite that on top of roofs, it's got five tents, it's got a canteen, a little library Mm -hmm. that they assemble and people go up there and they live up there like overnight. As far as I could tell, I don't know if you could sign up for a week or not. Maybe I'm not. It sets sort of like the number of nights you want to stay. So presumably that's fewer than seven or they would yeah. a week, right? But, but the, you but the idea is more than one. Yeah, but you don't get to hang out on the roof and drink all day or anything right. like that. <laughs> you have to get up and then you have to go to work. Mm-hmm. And then you come back, but it's like you're sharing this roof with other people. Mm-hmm. And there is no electricity. 
and there's no Wi-Fi. But did you see? Because in the original article it said there's no Wi-Fi, but now they have internet access mm-hmm. until... I don't know if it's Wi-Fi, but they have internet access until bedtime, they say. Oh, God. So that just made me kind of sad because I thought it seems to be taking off because they're, take, they're opening it up in other cities. It's and a I, great idea. It's it really so smart. Idea. It actually reminded me of what happened back in ye olde blackout in Toronto and in the eastern seaboard in 2003 when suddenly all these urban dwellers rediscovered First of all, what the night sky is like. And second of all, like what a pleasure it is just to be outside and hang out with people and not have all of those other things that prevent you from talking to people like yeah. lights and so, and so you, forth. I thought it was a really cool idea. And I love the way the tents look. They look like these yellow triangle wedges of cheese or something. Yeah. They really, they they really, really look nice. nice. They're all recyclable and it takes two hours to put it up. Mm. And I, I love the idea. They had a library, Nora. A library. <laughs> Do they have a fridge? A beer fridge? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, no, I thought it was really nice. And the, uh, the photos are great, so uh, come to the blog and take a look at them. Do check it out. Yes. Come to the blog. For links to these stories and more. <laughs> the sniffer. Dot net. Is it time to eat? It is. Okay, bye. bye.